God woke me up this morning with blessings untold. A precious, loving family and a house we call home. The promise of eternal life because of Calvary.
wasn't picked out, but I feel like we need to sing it. We sing it a lot, but uh, Brother Matt knows what I'm fixing to say. Brother Cameron, it's good to see you too. Um, I seen something today, and I try my best to stay off social media before we have a meeting like this so I don't get in the flesh about seeing anything I shouldn't, but it, um, a preacher was preaching. I believe he was Irish, and it, his voice is what caught my mind. I think, man, I wish I could sound like that when I preach. He was proper and put together, and, and he just had it figured out, Brother Brian. I don't know. He just he had it figured out. But he's talking about salvation. He said, if, if anybody's salvation starts from the first person, I did this, or I did that, or I done that, he said, you've got it wrong. He said, your testimony ought to be a third person testimony. He has. He did this. He did that. He said, but Cameron, what intrigued me, and Brother Matt knows, he came in the back of the church. I said, I've already heard it. I've seen it. I shared it. I've already liked it. What gave me cold bumps today and cold chills, Brother Todd, is he said, I think about that thief on the cross that, that went to paradise before Jesus and, uh, you know, their leg was broken. Jesus was died already. You know the story. But he got to paradise that day. And, and I don't know who asked him. The preacher's talking about angels. I don't know who saw him first. I got no clue. It don't matter. We're not here to argue that. But they asked him, hey, how did you get here? Or, or what have you done? And he says, I don't know. I don't know. They said, what do you mean you don't know? How did you end up here? He said, I don't know. They said, well, Brother John, do you know the, the doctrine of, of, of salvation and grace and, and justification by faith? He said, never heard about it. He said, well, have you ever heard of biblical studies and theology and all, numeral, all these things? He said, have no clue. You give me a little bit of grace. The preacher said, I can see him almost getting aggravated and kind of saying, well, how in the world, what, what do you base your trip here on? He said, all I know is the man in the middle told me I could come. That's all he knew. He said, the man that was hanging in the middle of the cross told me that I could come here. Can I tell you tonight, I don't know how, what your story is. don't know if you've got a testimony that's three pages long. I don't know whether you were saved at, a, at your grandma's rocking chair. You've been in church all your life. But the only reason that you can go in tonight is because the man that hung on the middle of that cross said you could go. You listen tonight as we wrap up this last song. Beside the gate of heaven, waiting to go in. And he wondered how this holy place could take a man like him. With shouts of great rejoicing, and with music then they came. Of the angels standing by him, he asked what could be their Oh 
till another band of shining ones drew nigh and they entered into heaven with a hallelujah cry he asked again who are these can you tell me whence they came and he seemed to see the answer in a burning tongue of flame. These are the company of martyrs, the mighty fellowship of saints, who knew our Lord and walked beside Him, who ran the holy race and did not faint. And oh, He fell upon His knees and cried, I am not one of these. Then suddenly a multitude was heard from far away. Their voices rang with songs of joy like children at their play. He saw Rahab, he saw David.
chapter number 15, Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to read uh, this familiar passage, but I'll be honest with you, I was praying this morning, just trying to find the mind of the Lord, and y'all put these verses on my heart, and really it has not, I have not, just all day long, I prayed and tried to seek the Lord, and, and, and I've looked at other things, but God just keeps bringing me back to this, so I'm going to mind Him, Amen. and uh, you pray for me, Amen. But uh, Luke chapter number 15, and we'll, we'll read in a moment in verse number 11 down through the, uh, we won't read the entirety of the chapter, but uh, we'll read several verses. But every time I turn to this passage, Brother Pittman, I think about we were in a juvenile facility uh, several years ago in Pearl, Mississippi, and there was about 34 young people uh, in, that, in the service that, that evening. And uh, a man that went with us, he, he was going to preach out of this passage. <clears throat> he said this, he said, uh, I'm going to preach out a, a very familiar passage that everybody in here has no doubt heard preached on several times. And, uh, and, and, and I knew when he said that, that most likely that there were several there that had never heard. Uh, not only had never heard the prodigal son preached on, but had never heard any Bible preaching probably much at all. And uh, he picked up on that, the kind of con the, the confusion. And he said, how many, it's about 34 young men, he said, how many have ever heard a message on Luke chapter number 15 about the prodigal son? And not one of them. Not one of them. Raise their hand. And then uh, there was four officers in that facility, in, in that service. And only one of those adult officers had ever heard a message out of Luke chapter number 15. Now, I said all that to say this. Some of you raised your hand. You're a third generation Christian. You've heard this preached on a, a lot. Second generation Christian. Some of you, fir first generation, even heard it preached on a lot. Amen. And when I, when I saw that, this is what I thought. Brother Evan, that's what I thought. When we turn to a familiar passage, and we're, we, we know, I mean, almost could quote it by heart, and when, Psalm 23, John 3, 16. And I could go on and on, right? This is what I thought. If we are that familiar with those passages, we ought to shout the victory. You ought to thank God that you've heard some familiar passages, amen? I was in Scotland last year. I'll preach in a moment, but I was in Scotland last year, and I was preaching underneath the tent, and a man walked up after service on a Thursday night. and didn't He, he was not there for the preaching, and uh, he just walked up, and somebody said, this man needs to talk to you. And uh, so he came, came, came up to me, and I asked him what he needed, and he said, well, I really don't know. And I said, well, why did you come forward? I thought he'd been there for the service, you know, and heard the preaching. And I said, why did you come forward? And he said, I don't really know. And I thought, well, I don't either, you know. If you don't know, I don't know. And so I began to ask him some questions, and, and uh, he began to tell me a little bit about his life. This man was probably in his early 60s. And he said, uh, he said, I've... Uh, he said, uh, I've been an alcoholic my whole life. And he said, my mother was a drunkard and said, that's the only life that I've ever known. 
is raised in a drunk's home, and he said, I has been a drunk my whole life, and he said, I, I've destroyed everybody that ever cared about me, everybody that ever loved me. He said, I, I've, I've destroyed every relationship that I ever have. And he said, I live alone across the road. And he said, I, he said, I, I, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a drunk. And uh, went on to tell me, he said, I get up in the morning, and probably about, I think he, I think he said, he, well, late more, <laughs> almost afternoon. He got up about 11 or 12, and he said, I've done, I do a few things around the house, and he said, I'll start drinking. And then he said, I'll drink to bedtime, about midnight. And then he said, I go to bed. And he said, I've done that for years. That's my life. And he said that there's a big sign over top of that tent that said, Jesus saves. And he said, I've been across the road and I've just been looking every evening seeing this tent and that sign. And he said, something keeps telling me I can get some help here. I said, well, you come to the right place. I said, what do you know about God? And he said, I don't know anything. He said, I've never... He said, I've never really known much about it. I said, well, you believe that God created the world? And he said, never really thought about it much. He said, I never really believed in God. I said, well, he did. And I talked about how God made man and formed him out of the dust of the ground. Put him in the garden and gave him a command. And he disobeyed that command and talked all about that. He'd never heard it before. And came to, uh, I was going to tell him about Jesus coming in this world. And just give him the gospel. And I said, how do you realize? I said, Jesus was born of a virgin. And he stopped me. And he said, his, his mother was a virgin? And I said, yes, sir. And I said, he lived a perfect, sinless life. And never committed one sin. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. And he stopped me. And he said, he never sinned? I said, not one time. I said, but he went to the cross of Calvary and died for your sin and for my sin. And was buried and rose again the third day and ascended to the Father and sat down at the right hand of God. And now he ever liveth to make intercession for you and I. And I said, if you'll, if you'll trust him, I said, he'll save you from your sin. He, is, he, is, he was he had alcohol in his breath. He'd been drinking. You could smell it all over him. And I'll be honest with you, I did not know how much he would even comprehend the next day or how much he comprehended that night. So I told him to go home and think about it. Next night he came back and uh, was in the service, came back for the service, came back the next night, came back several services in a row. And on, finally on a Tuesday night, and the following week he came back and he come a few minutes early and he Asked the pastor, he said, uh, can I speak with you? And, uh, of course, he pulled him aside and began to talk to him. And he said, I've got a phone call today. He said, my mother is in the nursing home. And he said, she's dying. And he said, if my mama dies, he said, she'll go to hell, preacher. He said, do you pray God will wake her up? And somebody tell her about Jesus. And uh, this man hadn't even, hadn't even got saved yet. He came back over to where I was, pastored in, told me about it. And I said, I said, that man's going to get saved tonight. And when he does, I said, I'm going to have a fit. Amen. And that man, sure enough, I preached that night. He came forward and got born again by the grace of God. Amen. Told me after service, he said, when you leave, leaving, I said, I'm actually getting on a plane in the morning. 
And he said, well, if I don't see you no more down here, I'll see you on the other side. And, uh, and so uh, I'm glad God's able to save sinners. But I said all that to say this, never heard anything about the Word of God. But you and I are in church on a Saturday afternoon gathered around the Word of God. Man, we should never take that for granted. Never, never take that for granted. I'm glad I'm in church, aren't you? And I praise the Lord. It's good to be here. Luke chapter number 15. And uh, if you would, let's stand as we read the scriptures. And uh, thank you for coming this evening. And, um, and uh, uh, just so excited to be here. I was thinking about why these young people were singing. I love good singing. One reason I love it so good is because I can't do it. Amen. So I love to hear other people sing. You say, well, preacher, the Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's true, it does. But nobody enjoys it when I make a noise, amen. And so I just sing to myself, and, uh, and, and that's good enough, all right. But I enjoyed the singing, and uh, appreciate the Lord this afternoon. Luke chapter number 15, verse number 11, look what your Bible said. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And, when, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him... He sent him into his field to feed, to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he had came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Alfred Willis said he got, a, he got a new ring, a robe, and a pair of Reeboks. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all get that later. <laughs> and he bring hither the fatty calf and kill it. Bring here the fatty calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again and he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be in the house of God. Lord, thank you for these that have gathered out uh, this evening. And Lord, I ask you that you'd help us. Lord, thank you for what you've already done and how you've stirred in our midst. Lord, I thank you for those, uh, Lord, that have, that have already come to the altar. Thank you, God, for those that have come out to hear your word tonight. And Lord, I just ask you that you would give us that that we stand in need of. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you'd use us for a few moments. And I recognize the fact that I cannot do anything within myself Lord, I need your help, and I pray that, God, that you would bring to my mind remembrance the words that needs to be said 
Father, I pray you'd touch every heart and meet every need. Get glory to yourself. Father, I pray for that one that's not saved. God, I pray tonight would be the night that they would see their need for a Savior. They would come to you in repentance and faith. God, and be saved before it's too late. God, anybody out of the will of God, meet the need. Help us right now, Father, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, Luke chapter number 15. Now, again, this is a familiar passage, and a lot of us uh, know what's taking place here. And again, I've heard this preached on quite a bit. But uh, we find in the first part of Luke chapter number 15 the reason Jesus gave this parable really this is a parable of lost things. Matter of fact, the Bible tells in verse number 1 of chapter 15, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and the sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And I'm glad he does, aren't you? Uh, but listen, these, these Pharisees and scribes were not... Listen, they were, not, uh, uh, they were not happy about the fact that he was rece receiving sinners. And, uh, but, but they were criticizing him for the very fact uh, that he would allow sinners and publicans uh, to come into his presence. And so Jesus begins to give this parable, verse number 3. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, So what you'll find is Jesus gives a parable in three parts. He talks about the lost sheep and the lost silver and the lost son. And really, the purpose of this parable is to let those people know that he is interested in lost things. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm glad he is interested in lost things, aren't you? How, because there was a day when I was lost in my sin. How, but Jesus came to where I was and saved me by the grace of God. I'm glad that he is interested in sinners tonight. And, and uh, listen, if he's interested in sinners, then you and I should be interested in sinners. But as we come down through this parable, we come to this portion that we read and you hear and that we oftentimes referred to as uh, the prodigal son or the parable of the prodigal. Really, if you look through this text, there's more mention about the father than there is the son. Uh, but I want to look at this, this portion, uh, portion of Scripture and just give you a thought, make some application. I love it this evening. Uh, and I want to preach on this thought. I want to preach on, hey, listen, the farm is better than the far country. The farm... It's far better than the far country. Amen. And so we find here that this, the Bible tells us in verse number 11, and, and a certain man had two sons, and a younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And so we automatically learn that here's a man that has two sons. It's a, this, uh, this younger son asks for his living and then goes out into the far country. And I thought much about this young man that took his journey out in the far country and not only what happened to him, but what caused him to leave the place that he was in. I mean, if you think about it, really, he's in a good place. I, I thought about throughout the scriptures, there's a lot of people that make bad decisions when they're in a 
tough spot. Amen. I, I thought about in the book of Ruth that uh, there's Naomi and that whole family there. And, and the Bible talks about a famine come, come came and they journeyed out into the far country. Really, they're the prodigals of the Old Testament. But they made that journey because of a famine that arose. We could go on and on. Abraham, or Abram in Genesis chapter number 12, he goes down to Egypt, but the reason he chose to go to Egypt is because a famine arose and he made a choice how to go away from God and disobey the will of God and to go down in Egypt. There's many examples of individuals that make bad choices when a bad circumstance or a bad situation arises in their life. But in this text, it does not look like it's a bad situation or a bad place at all. Matter of fact, it looks like it's a good place or a good situation. And it seems like this young man has a good home and really looks like he has a good family. So I thought about what was it that made him leave that place, though it was such a good place, if you will, and go out in the far country. Well, I just thought about this. I thought about, first of all, just before we get there, I thought about the place that he dwelt. Now, I've already said that it was a good place. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, let's look what the Bible said in this text. I want to say, first of all, this, this young man had a good home. Amen. You say, how do you know that? Well, I said there a moment ago that there's more mention about the father in this parable than there is about the son. So we can learn much about the father that this young man had just by reading down through the text. I want to say that he had a father that was considerate. You say, how do you know that? Well, how do we find in verse number 12 that the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth unto me. And he divided unto them his living. I'll be honest with you. If I'd have been my old man. <laughs> I mean, if I'd have been my dad, are you hearing me? And I went to him and said, Daddy, I'm ready for my inheritance. Go ahead and give it. Matter of fact, I, I, listen, I, I've got a brother. There's just two of us. And if I'd have went to him and my dad and said, Dad, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. He'd said, boy, get it back in there and keep your mouth shut. Amen. That's what he said to me. Amen. I, listen, and, and probably, he probably uh, would have uh, took a belt and uh, straightened me up a little bit, amen? That's what he'd have probably done. But this father didn't do that. He, he didn't say, forget it. He didn't tell him no. But when that boy asked for his portion of goods, he was kind enough to give him what he asked for. And just simply, we see that this father was a very considerate man. That uh, Listen, it, it looks like that he would put the, had the desires and the needs of others before his own. He has a father that is a considerate father. But I want to say, not only is he a considerate father, uh, but listen, and he is a compassionate father. Well, the Bible tells in verse number 20, when the young man come home, the Bible said he arose and came to his father. And when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. Hey, listen, this young, young man comes 
back from the far country and he's wasted his substance with riotous living. He's lost everything. All, all of his inheritance has been squandered in the far country and he looks like a mess. Can you see him? He's been down in the hog lot. Amen. He's covered with filth. He's covered with dirt. He probably stinks because he's been down there feeding the swine. But when he comes home, his father had compassion on him. And listen, he didn't, he didn't say, I told you you'd get in a mess. He didn't criticize him, but he had compassion on him. Amen. And so this man had a very compassionate father. He had a very considerate father. I'm going to say he had a very caring father. Look what the Bible said in verse number 20 again. The Bible said, and he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So this boy had a father that loved him, that cared about him, that tried his best to teach him the right things. So he had a good home. He had a good situation. And I thought about that. You know, there's a lot of people that don't have that. There's a lot of people that don't have a good situation at home. A lot of folks don't have a good home life. But this young man does. He has a good home life. He has a very good situation. Not only is the father caring and compassionate but he's well off amen so what would make this young man want to leave this place I, I thought about he's got a good home but I thought about he's got a godly home look what your Bible say how do you know that well look what the Bible said in verse number uh, verse number 17 when he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and say unto him, watch this, I've sinned against heaven. How did he know that? How did he know that his sin was not just against his father, but it was against heaven? It was against God, amen? Somebody had to teach this young man what was right and what was wrong. Somebody taught this young man about the things of God. Somebody had taught this young man about sin and about righteousness. And he knew that what he'd done was not only, listen, against his father, but it was against the God of heaven. And listen, that tells me that he had a home that was centered around the things of God. Amen. I mean, I, I just, I, just, I can't even hardly wrap my mind around that. And I said there a moment ago, I'm a first generation Christian and my home was not centered around the things of God. We, did, we wasn't raised in church and I, I mean, listen, I had a good family and they took good care of us and things of that nature, but we didn't, uh, we didn't read the Bible around the kitchen table and we didn't go to church on Sunday and uh, listen, I didn't know anything about the Bible when I got saved, but uh, there's many of you here this evening, friend, you've been taught the things of God your whole life. That's all you've ever known. And listen, we should, you should never take that for granted tonight that somebody cared enough about you how to teach you about the things of God. Amen. Amen. Do you know there's a lot of people make bad decisions because they don't know any better. Amen. And you can, I mean, listen, you can see folk like that and it, it breaks your heart because you know they really don't know any better. That's all they've ever known. Just like that man I told you a moment ago. He was a drunk and I know he had to make his own choice, but really that's all he ever knew. Is that right? That's all he ever knew was a drunkard's life. He didn't know about the things of God. He didn't know about the Word of God. And so listen, he's doing just what he knew. But this young man knew how, that there's a God in heaven and he 
knew that if he went in the far country, how that it would be against the will of God. Amen. So this man, young man has a godly home. What would make a young man that's well taken care of financially? What would make a man has a good, good home life? I mean, has, listen, that has parents that love on him and care for him and teach him right, raise him right, take care of his needs, feed him, put food on the table, clothes on his back. I mean, listen, this young man has a good situation. By the way, if you have a good situation, you should thank God for it. Amen. Because I know young people tonight that don't even have a mom and dad to put food on their table and they don't even know where the next meal comes from. But that's not this young man. Amen. He's, got a, he's in a good situation. So why would he leave? Why would he leave? Let me, let me give you a few things. I thought about this. I thought about the problem that he developed. Look in verse number 12. The Bible said the younger then said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods. Can I say this? That this young man developed a problem with pride. Apparently, he don't like to be told what to do. Apparently, he don't like authority. And he thinks if he gets out from under the father and gets out in the far country, hey, listen, he don't, have, no, that, that he don't have to listen to any authority and uh, don't, have to, uh, don't have to be told what to do. He finds out different when he gets out there hey, because when he joins himself to a citizen of that country, he's told to go feed the swine. Amen. And I promise you that was far worse than anything he was doing on the farm. Amen. And so here this young man was. He didn't, he, evidently, he didn't want anything to do with authority. The Bible said that he, in verse number 12, that uh, he, the Bible said, he said, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. You know this. You know that during this time that uh, if a father had children and he, he divided the portion of goods, most of the time he did not divide the inheritance or the inheritance was not divided until after he died. Now, he had, the, he had the right to divide it before he died if he wanted to, but for the most part, that's not the way it was done. Amen. So in essence, what this boy is telling his father is, I wish you were dead. That's what he's saying. Why did, why did he have that attitude? Because he didn't like to be told what to do. He didn't like the rules on the farm. Hey, listen, he didn't like the chores on the farm. He didn't like to be told what to do. Hey, he was sick and tired of being told what to do by his father. Amen. And, and can I just stop and say this? We often say about young people that young people have a problem with authority. Are you hearing me? But you know who has a problem with authority tonight? Every one of us. There ain't nobody likes to be told what to do. Amen. I, I, listen, there's something on the inside of every single one of us. When we say, listen, if somebody tells us don't do it, we won't do it. Isn't that right? Amen. I mean, listen, it don't matter what it is. Have you say, don't do it, you won't do it. Amen. I read something the other day about, and it was given an illustration about this. It said you can walk by a park bench. Listen, you can walk by a park bench every day of your life and not even, not even want to touch it. Walk by it one day that's got a sign on it that says, wet paint, do not touch. And you want to go. Am I right about that? Amen. Why? Because none of us like to be told what to do. Amen. 
And here this young boy is. He thinks in his mind that if he goes out in the far country, he don't have to listen to mama or daddy. He don't have to listen to the rules at home. He wants to get out where nobody tells him what to do. Now you and I know that that's foolish thinking. Amen. Because there's always going to be somebody telling you what to do. Amen. That's right. So this boy's full of pride. Hey, listen, he thinks he has all the answers. Can I, can I help us tonight? You know who has all the answers in here tonight? Nobody. Amen. Amen. They ain't none of us got life figured out. They ain't none of us got all the answers. Amen. Hey, listen, none of us know everything. And I promise you, hey, listen, they, they, some of us know a little bit more than others, but none of us, none of us have it all figured out. Amen. And if you think that you know mom more than your parents, if you think you know more than the preacher, if you think you know more than somebody that's been down the road, that's foolish thinking. Amen. And listen, he, he had pride, but not only pride, notice his priority. The Bible said in verse number 12, and the younger of them said to his father, watch this, give me the portion of goods. Here's what's always amazed me about this, this text. He didn't care nothing about his brother. Because he didn't say, give us the portion of goods that falls, fall to us. He said, give me the portion of goods. And so he did not care how, listen, he, he did not care about his family. He didn't care about his father. He didn't care about his brother. He didn't care about what, how his decision affected anybody. It's all about himself. Give me, listen to me, hey, our decisions affect other people. And people say, well, I, I do what I want to do. I'm not hurting anybody. That's a lie straight out of the fiery pits, amen? Every decision we make affects other people. From the youngest to the oldest, amen? And it's selfish to think that you're going to do what you want to do and you don't care what nobody else thinks or you don't care who it affects, Amen? I mean, I mean, it blows my mind. I remember several years ago, I was in a juvenile facility preaching, and they was uh, we we came in, uh, we were leaving actually right when uh, uh, visitation was was. Uh, uh, um, they were about to get done with visitation. There was a mother that had came in and she was in the cafeteria and they'd brought her son out and let her son sit there and visit with her. And so we were coming out and when we came out, they took her son and was taking him back to the cell and, 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 and that, that mother went out with us. And we went out and uh, she left that room, came out. We went in this little holding cell, and the door shut behind us. And she turned around, watched her boy how walk away from her in handcuffs and, and feet shackled. And when that door shut, that mama turned around and hit her knees and put her hands in her face and started weeping and crying because of her boy. I was in a juvenile facility about the deceit. Don't you think that your choices and your decisions only affect you? Amen. His, his priority. Notice his perception. Verse number 13. The Bible said, Not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. Now, what? May, listen, this boy's been on, there's no indication that this boy's ever been off the farm. I don't know if he has or not, but there's no indication in the text that he's ever been off the farm. Amen. 
And here's what I always wondered. How did he know what was in the far country? How did he even know what he was going out to? Now, he had to know he was going to need money out in the far country. I mean, he, he wanted his inheritance. And he, he goes, how did he know what was out there? I don't know this. But I wonder if he didn't have somebody in his ear telling him. Hey, you need to come on out here. Amen. That daddy you got at home, hey, he don't want you to have fun. I promise you, you can have a whole lot better time out here in the far country than you can at home. Amen. I promise you, if you listen, you don't have to do what they say. I mean, they're just, a, they're just sticks in the mud and they don't care about you having a good time. If you come out in the far, there's all kinds of things to do in the far country. We can have a good time out here. Amen. How many of these harlots out in the far country? Is that all right to nothing? Hey, sister, there's there's all these things out in the far, and you don't have to answer to nobody. Listen, you don't have to go, you don't have to have a curfew and go home a certain time. I wonder if somebody was in his ear telling him how good it was in the far country. Amen. And listen, you better hear me and hear me well. You better be careful about who you listen to. Amen. You better be careful about who you listen to. Because the devil will be sure to send somebody your way and convince you that you'd be better off out of church, out from under authority, out from under mom and daddy, out in the far country. Amen. Be careful who you listen to. Amen. Because I'm t- I promise you, there's nothing good in the far country. And I sat there a little while ago, I wasn't raised in church. And I'm not going to tell you everything that the Lord saved me from. But just hear me and hear me well. I promise you, it's far better serving God than anything the world has to offer. Amen. I mean, I can tell you story after story. Hey, listen, friend, but I promise you it's far better serving God. The devil will tell you and the world will tell you that you need to go out and have a good time. You need to go out, listen, and do this and do that. But I'm telling you, friend, it's better in the Father's house than it is in the far country. Amen. But why is it we'll listen to people? And this is what amazes me. How, how is it or why is it that we watch other people destroy their life and we think it won't happen to us. And I'm talking about all of us. Amen. We watch other people make bad choices and bad decisions and we know, listen, they've wrecked and ruined their life. But somehow we get in our mind, it won't happen to me. I can do do that drug and it won't happen to me. Or I can go do this and it won't happen to me. Are you hearing me? Why is it that we think how the, sometimes people get in their mind that it will not happen to them? Hear me tonight. The Bible said, be sure your sin will find you out. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen. That's why people have these youth meets. I'm telling you, I wish to God I'd been raised in the church. I'd had a youth meet never so often, hear a man of God preach. I'm telling you, you to thank God that you're in the house of God and somebody warns you about the far country. I'm telling you how you need to stay with God. You stay in the house of God and stay right and you'll be glad you did. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, listen, Brother Brandon, there's a lot of times 
I will not go into great, great detail about my testimony. Here's why. I don't want put some people to think I've got a great testimony. I got a testimony the Lord saved me, changed my life. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. Hey, I, I made a lot of mistakes before I got saved. Amen. And God saved me and changed my life. But I'm going to tell you what is a great testimony. A great testimony is a young person that hey, was raised in church and that stayed right and kept herself pure, never got out in the world, never tasted alcohol, never listened, never got involved in the things of the world, and never done this. That is a good, that's a wonderful testimony. We magnify the ones sometimes where people get brought out of the depths of sin. But I want to say thank God for some people that have kept themselves right and kept themselves holy and pure and grew up that way. Amen. Thank God for that. Amen. That's, that's, listen, that's the great testimony. Somebody had to tell this young man, I think, Somebody had to say, hey, listen, it's good in the far country. Are you hearing me? And that's what, listen to me, that's what the world and society does. Every commercial you see, you get on social media, are you listening to me? And, and, and listen, all, all of the commercials that promote alcohol and, and that lifestyle, it's all about them having a good time. Amen. Amen. You see on social media, you see them having a good time and living it up. And, and if you ain't careful, devil get in your mind, you think I'm missing out on something. Amen. That's right. Adrian Rogers years ago uh, put a big billboard sign up down next to the church. He's pastor down in Florida about a beer company. And they had a slogan that said uh, something. I can't remember the slogan, but he put a sign up and had a uh, listen, I had a picture of a homeless person and a wrecked car and, a, and I'm talking about inside of a prison, all this thing. And, it, and he said, the end of whatever alcohol company it was. This is the end of it. Right. Amen. Right. This is what it leads to. Right. He put it on a big billboard and that company called him and said, we want you to take your sign down. He said, I will when you quit airing commercials and advertisements that tells everybody that all that lifestyle is is fun and a good time and joyous. He said, listen, I'll take down the truth if you'll quit telling lies. Amen. That's right. Amen, friend. Hear me and hear me well. Hey, listen, I've, been, I've seen too many destroyed lives. I've seen too many children that's wrecked and ruined. I've seen too many homes wasted and too many homes destroyed by sin because somebody got in an individual's ear and started telling them what they wanted to hear and they made a choice to wreck and ruin their life. Amen. Listen, no alcoholic ever had the dream to be one. No, listen, no, I like, y'all like sports? I know we're here on Saturday and it's college, it's college football time. We got to hurry up and get, no, I'm joking, but hey, listen to me. Amen. And I like it, amen. And I, I, mean, I, I mean, I love it. I really do probably like it too much. 
And I mean, I, I, I keep up. I mean, I keep up with, I, I do. Y'all forgive me, all right? Y'all pray for me, all right? I need help on this, amen? And I like to keep up with recruiting, you know? And listen, I, I some of these kids, we got a kid in our high school that's being recruited pretty heavy right now, and I've been keeping up with him, all the camps he's going to and all the schools is after him, amen? But you know what? From a young age, that was his dream. And a lot of these kids, from, their, from a young age, that's their dreams. Some of them, man, they... Hey, listen, they got personal trainers, and, and I mean, they're doing everything they can to prepare themselves to get, get I mean, to, to, to train, to, to, get a, to get a scholarship to play at the next level. Amen? Because that's their dream. But I've never seen anybody that said, I dreamed to be a drug addict my whole life. I've never seen anybody living on the street homeless say, this was my dream. I've never seen anybody in prison with their life wrecked and say, this is what I dreamed to be when I grew up. Amen. I tell you what I have, I've, I've seen a lot of people that had big dreams and had them shattered. Amen. Big dreams. And had them shattered, amen. Probably some of you young people, this is too far back. Some of you young people ever heard of Michael Jordan? Some young people. He's the greatest. I don't care. I mean, I already, I, amen. Some of you, LeBron, no, LeBron. Michael Jordan is the greatest. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. amen. I like amen. That's right. Amen. amen. She knows her stuff. Amen. Amen. <laughs> But you know the one of the greatest college basketball players of all time never even made it to the pros? Amen. Was drafted, play, was drafted number one overall by the Boston Celtics. And they said he's going to be better and he's, he's going to be the greatest of all time. One of the greatest college basketball players to ever play the game. And the night he got drafted, the night he got drafted by the Boston Celtics, number one overall pick. He went out that night celebrating. He got number one pick. I mean, listen, he's going to get a big contract. He's going to the big leagues. Are you hearing me? I mean, listen, he's went out one night that night to celebrate. And got some cocaine. Going to celebrate. And died that night of a drug overdose. And never stepped on the court. Amen. And I can tell you story after story after story like that. Are you hearing me? All of us could tell stories like that, couldn't we? People we know. But yet, listen, sometimes you get to thinking it won't happen to you. Listen to me, friend. How somebody had to get in this young man's ear and say, hey, listen, it's better in the far country. Amen. Well, so we see here, the, the place that he dwelt, the problem he developed. But notice this. Notice the price of his decision. Notice what the Bible said in verse number 14. Or look at verse number 13. We see his wicked lifestyle, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now we find out a little bit more about his lifestyle when he comes home because his brother was upset. And he said this, he wasted it, verse number 30, but as soon as the sun was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots. Thou hast killed the fatted calf for him. So this boy went out in the far country 
And the Bible said there he wasted his substance with riotous living. Now I wonder when he left, did he ever think that it would go that far? Did he ever think that he would do that much? Because most times people don't. I, may, I mean, I may do a little bit, but I'm not going to go that, I'm not going to get that bad. Amen. I may do a little bit, but I'm not going that far. This young man got out there and lived a wicked lifestyle. Amen. And you know tonight, listen, that sin will get a hold of you. It'll destroy your life. He had a wicked life. He had a wasted life. We call this, we call this oftentimes the parable of the what? The prodigal, right? That's what we call it a lot of times. You know what that word prodigal means? Wasted. It's a wasted life. Amen. One of the saddest things in the whole world is to see people that have so much talent and so much ability and throw it, just throw it out for the world. Amen. I mean, throw that wasted life. The talent, the ability God gave, that you could have used it for the glory of God and just throw it out the window and waste it. Amen. I can tell you story after story after story is people that's wasted their life. And you may be in here, listen, you may be in here this afternoon and you, ain't, you really hadn't been raised in church and you really don't, then you think, well, hey, listen, I don't have much of a life anyway. Don't think that, friend, God can take your life and make something out of it. I promise you I'm living proof that God can take an idiot and, uh, listen, do something out of him. Hey, 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 but this young man had a wasted life. Amen. Some of the most talented people that I've ever saw is in prison. Amen. Matter of fact, I had a young man, listen to me. I'm just listening to me right here. When I got saved, God changed my life, and I was early 20s. And, that, and uh, there was a man that spent six years in prison in Virginia for dealing drugs. And when he got out of prison, for some reason, he moved to Robbinsville. Why, I don't know. Amen. But he moved, he moved to my hometown and moved right above our church. And uh, he came down one Sunday morning and got come to the altar and got saved by the grace of God. Talking about a wasted life. Are you listening to me? He got saved. God changed his life. And I mean, listen, he got on fire for God more than anybody that I've ever, ever seen. That's all he wanted to do was talk about God, study the Bible. We'd, we'd get together, Brother John, we'd study the Word of God. We'd go out on the street witnessing. That's all he wanted to do is talk about God, talk about the things of God, study the Word of God. I mean, that's all he wanted to do. And I liked it, amen. And uh, him and I started a bit, I want you to listen to me now. Him and I started a business together. And uh, God began to deal my heart about preaching. And I knew that I couldn't dedicate myself to the ministry and dedicate myself to that business at the same time. So I turned, it, I turned my portion over to him, gave, and he took off. He took the business and, and, and ran with it. Before long, it got so big, and he, he started being so successful and getting so much work, and he started missing on Wednesday night. Then before long, he was missing on Sunday night. Then before long, he was missing on Sunday. And before long, he's out of church. I went and saw him not after he'd been out of church for a while. I went and saw him, and he's standing in his yard. I never will forget it, drinking a beer. 
And I sat there and talked to him and begged him to get right with God. I said, you know what God delivered. You know the joy of the Lord. What are you doing? And he's so hard and he, he's so far in. Are you, are you hearing me? So far in. And I talked to him anyway. He, he, some time passed, he moved from Robbinsville and I hadn't heard from him in probably 10 years. And I was driving down the road one day and uh, I was coming home from a meeting and I got a phone call. Now I didn't recognize the number. I answered the phone and he said, uh, somebody said, hello. And they said, is this Todd? And I said, it is. And he said, this is so-and-so told me his name. He said, I'm living. I said, are you okay? He said, no. He said, I'm living in a motel hooked on drugs. My wife was hooked on drugs. My daughter's a drug addict. And he said, I'm dying of liver, liver cancer. And he said, I, I stowed some food at a, grocery st at a grocery store. And he said, I got to go to court here in a couple weeks. And he said, would you go to court with me? So I traveled up there to where he was, and I went to court with him. And after, the court, uh, after, the, uh, after we went to court, I took him out to eat, and we sit there in a restaurant. He's, he's got liver cancer. And he's in pain because that cancer is eating him up on the inside. We started eating, we're eating at that restaurant. He eats about two bites of his food. And he said, I can't eat. And he starts crying and weeping. And he said, I don't know why I left God. He said, that's the best time of my life. And he said, I, I know the joy of the Lord. And he said, I walked away from it all. And he said, now I'm dying with liver cancer. About three months later, we had his funeral, 43-year-old. Wasted life. Wasted life. Amen. Wasted life. That's what that young man's got. It's a wasted life. No, it's a wasted life. It's a wounded life. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, he lost everything. He joined himself to a citizen of that country. And listen, they send him out to feed the swine. And he literally has nothing to eat. Here's a young man that goes from having everything to having nothing. And it's all because he made his own choice. Amen. Listen, you got a choice. Every one of us have a choice to make. Matter of fact, we make choices every day. Amen. And every one of us from the youngest to the oldest are one choice away from ruining our life. One, you say, preacher, it will not happen to me. You better be careful. You better be real careful. Amen. There's been greater people than you and I that are in the grave right now. There's been greater people than you and I that's, listen, it's in the, in the prison right now. Greater people than you and I, hey, listen, sleeping under a bridge tonight. Nothing. Are you hearing me? Nothing. This man, is, he literally, and that's why the devil will do you, by the way. And that's why the world, it amazes me all the time. I'm preaching different than you, but I'm, I'm, we're all right, amen. It amazes me. I've been preaching in jails and prisons ever since I started preaching. I guess I always knew if it wasn't for the grace of God, that's where I'd be at. This is what always amazes me. Every one that I've ever saw 
that gets, gets put in prison or jail. I always ask them this question. I said, them friends that you were running with, so how much money they put in your account? How much food have they sent you? How much have they checked on your family for you? None, preacher, none. Well, then why do you want to run right back to them? Why do you want to keep running that crowd when they don't care a thing about you? And turn your back on the crowd that loves you and cares for you and tries to uh, listen, uh, teach you the things of God. Why do you want to run to that crowd that does not care anything about you? Every time, I don't know. But every time, I run right by. Amen. And so I got more sense than that, preacher. Listen, you know what sin does? Sin will make you lose all sins. Amen. This boy had a wasted life. The price of his decision. But notice the principles he discovered. I want to say this. He, he discovered that the price of sin is high. Amen. There's a high price to pay for sin. Are you hearing me? Heard about, it, heard about a young man. Kept himself pure and clean. Was going to marry this young girl. She had kept herself pure and clean. And they were going to get married and live a good life together, raised in church, raised around the things of God. And this, they were going to, the night before their wedding, his friends wanted to take, tell him I said hello. His friends, <laughs> listen, his friends, are you hearing me? Wanted to take him out and have a good time. One night, have a, the night before his wedding. They took him out. He'd done some things that he shouldn't have done. Messed up that night. Are y'all listening? Or are you listening to that? Amen. Amen. Look here. He messed up that night, done some things he shouldn't have done. His, his, his uh, girlfriend, I guess soon to be wife, she never knew anything about it. Never knew anything what happened that night. And he didn't want nobody to know. He never told anybody. Married this young lady and they had a little child. And the child was born blind. And the reason it's blind is because he had, he had contracted a disease that night, the night before his wedding, because of the decisions he had made. And that child was born blind. Thomas has a high price to sin, you hear me? A child was born blind. And when, uh, several years went by, and they were having a little birth, a birthday party for that child. And... Uh, uh, he blew out the cake. They went and blow out the cake and on all that and, and uh, make a wish. And he made a wish and they asked him, so what do you wish, what'd you wish for? A little boy said, I just wished I could see like the other kids. And that man went upstairs and got in the bathtub and took a 38 and blowed his head off because he knew that his child would never see because of the decisions that he made. I'm telling you, there's a high price to sin tonight. You hear me? I said there's a high price to sin tonight. It will ruin. I don't care if you think you can handle it tonight. You think, you listen, you'll, it'll never catch up with you. You think you'll I'm telling you, there's a high price to sin. Amen. And I tell you what you and I ought to do to stay as far away from the world as we can. Amen. 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 
And you hear me, hear me. I'm just, I'm just going to preach tonight. Are you all right? Look up here. Look up here. If you've got so-called friends that's trying to get you to do things that are not, does not line up that word of God, they don't care anything about you, and you need to get as far away from them as you can. Amen, friend. Hey, listen, if I, listen, listen to me, young lady. If some young man said, if you loved me, you would, or if you cared about me, you would, you ought to run as far as you can. Amen. Is that too straight? Amen. Listen, if one of your buddies tries to get you to do something that's against that Bible and against, listen, the authorities he's placed in your life, first of all, he's not your friend. They don't care about you. Amen. They don't care about you. They're not your friend. Amen. You say, how do you know that? Well, first of all, trying to get you to do things that ain't right with God. Amen. And second of all, they're trying to get you to do things that will destroy your life. Amen. That's why you need to be careful who you listen to. That's why you need to be careful who you, who you run with, who your friends are. Amen. Listen, you ain't got no business running the crowd. Some of you young people, don't you hear me and hear me? Look up here. Hear me well, friend. If you've got so-called friends that you're hanging out with and running with, and they don't go to church and they're not serving God, hey, listen, get away from them. And you, listen, you young men ain't got no business, uh, listen, dating a young lady that don't serve God and not in church and profess to be saved. And you young ladies ain't got no business. Amen. No business. Somebody called me the other day, asked me about this girl they, was, they, they were talking to, and they said, what do you think about her? I said, she's saved? Yeah. He said, I don't know. I said, you don't know? That'll be the first question you ask. Do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Amen. Do you, what do you mean you don't know? It amazes me how many people make decisions and they don't even think about God. A young man called me the other day. He's going to take a job. And he said, he's going down the road, going to uh, uh, interview for a job. And he said, I want you to help me pray about this job. I said, where's it at? He told me where it's at. I said, uh, is there a church there? He said, I don't know. You don't know? He said, I just need to know if this is the will of God. I said, I can tell you this. If ain't a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church in that area that you're thinking about moving to, it is not the will of God for you to leave a good church and move out somewhere. Hey, listen, where there is not one, I don't care how much money you're making. Amen. There's a high price to sin. Amen. Amen. Listen, he, I, he learned his high price to sin, but he learned there's plenty in the Father's house. The Bible says his, you know the story. He comes back to the Father's house, and you know what he found out? He wasted his substance with riotous living. But that Father still had plenty. Amen. He still had plenty. He said, listen, he come back. You know the story. He, listen, said to kill the fatty calf, get the best robe, put shoes on his feet, ring on. I mean, listen, this, the, the father still has plenty. You know what he's learning? He's discovering that it's far better on the farm than it is in the far country. He didn't have nothing in the far country, but when he come home, the father still had plenty. Amen. Amen. 
Still had plenty. Amen. There's plenty in the far country. I mean, there's plenty at the Father's house. Not in the far country. Not only that, I want to say this. He, he discovered this. That there is a pardon from heaven. That boy got his sin forgiven. And I'm about done. Hear me now.